Hi there, I'm your host, Lisa Shield. Welcome to Dating Without Drama, where I give you my unique take on everything related to men, love, dating, and romantic relationships. Let's get started. It's good to see everybody. And tonight I am going to talk about whether or not there should be fireworks at the beginning of a relationship. Is that even something we should be looking for? I don't know about all of you, but I am guilty. When I was younger, I was looking for something that just wowed me. Like I'd go out there and I'd date and I was just waiting for some kind of thrill. You know, I thought relationships were supposed to be thrilling. And unlike like romantic relationships, right? Unlike any other relationship in my life. And so I was looking for this chemistry and spark and that over-the-top feeling that uh, made me feel special and different and alive. Well, how many of you have looked for that? How many people have looked <laughs> for that over the top feeling when you meet a guy, you know, that's just like, wow, the moment you see him. I know I was guilty. So, yeah, especially on the 4th of July, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly, Bonnie. That's what we really want. It's part of why we're looking for romantic relationships is that thrill, that feeling of aliveness, right? That we get when we meet the right guy. And it's really, you know, I, there's no shame. There's, it's normal to want to look for that. It's what's in all the storybooks. It's what's in all the romance novels, right? It's what happens when a Disney character meets a Disney princess and, you know, a Disney princess meets a Disney prince and they fall in love and there's magic. Um, yeah, it's just, it's this incredible fantasy that we've been led to believe is the thing that we're supposed to be looking for in our relationships. And it's really a fallacy. It's a fallacy. And it's the thing that's going to get us into the most trouble. So if you're out there, and this took me years and years to learn, when you're out there and you're dating and you are wanting to find a wonderful partnership, looking, if you're searching for that wow, for those fireworks, <laughs> right? For that over-the-top relationship, that's going to get you into trouble. It may be fun when you're young, when you're going out with your girlfriends and you're all on the prowl and, you know, you're looking from your, it's like the hunt and the chase, right? And we've all been there. It's exciting. It is exciting. Let's be real. It's really exciting to have that. And it's what we all want. But the problem is we all know that it doesn't last. It doesn't last. It's ephemeral, right? Because it's not based on anything real. It's just that chemical attraction that Mother Nature has wired into us so that we will procreate. 
that's what those fireworks are. It's not that, you know, you're wonderful and he's wonderful and you're these two amazing, unique people in the world who found each other. No. And I'm not saying it's not a wonderful feeling. I'm not saying that that's not wonderful, but if that's what you're looking for, and it really is, if we're honest, what many of us have been waiting for and searching for, and that's where we've gotten ourselves into trouble. The problem is there are men who really understand how to create that spark. They do. They know exactly the right things to say and do. And they're not all just love bombers. You know, there's guys that just are charming and they know how to light you on fire. And it doesn't mean that they're really interested in you. And some people call them players, right? Some people call these guys players or love bombers or avoidance. There's all kinds of names for guys like this. But the truth is, this is as old as human beings, right? (laughs) This is as old as the history of mankind. This kind of thrill that we're all chasing when it comes to relationships. And I know very often that when you do have that, it's either chemical, right? It's just two people who are very chemically attracted to each other. And or it's also, as many therapists will tell you, often when we really have that powerful connection with somebody, it's because your stuff and their stuff line up. So your baggage, your issues from childhood, your unresolved stuff, and his unresolved stuff, it all lines up. And you two are a perfect match for working all of that stuff out if you form a relationship. So you may not know it. Your dad may have been an alcoholic and you don't know that he's an alcoholic when you meet him. But something about his behavior feels familiar to to you. There are qualities about him that subconsciously make you or remind you of your father. Even if your relationship with your father wasn't a good one, you will bond or connect subconsciously with his alcoholic behavior. It will feel familiar to you. And so then what happens is, you're drawn to this person and maybe, you know, because you were, you grew up in a family with an alcoholic, you have codependent tendencies and he's drawn to that. Are you hearing this? And then the two of you meet and it feels familiar. Familiarity, family, right? It's taking you back to family stuff. And so it feels good. It feels like you know each other even if it's not conscious. And so this is another kind of fireworks connection that you really want to watch out for, right? This is the one that led me to marrying a man who was just like my father. How many of you have done that? Anybody want to fess up? Anybody want to confess and admit that they married their mother or their father and that there were fireworks in the beginning? that something about that person felt familiar, even safe, because subconsciously 
they were reminding you of your parent and subconsciously you are hooking into the fact that this person will be able to recapitulate with you all your unresolved issues from childhood and you'll do the same with them. So this is how so many of our relationships are formed, how and why. We are drawn to the people that feel familiar to us and subconsciously we want that so that we can recapitulate and hopefully heal the issues, the unresolved issues that we still have from childhood. Cynthia married her mother. Nobody else is confessing. (laughs) We have a message here from Cynthia that says, I married my mother. Yeah, we don't realize it at the time. But if you go back, a really great exercise, if you want to see how much your ex, right, was, was, um, if you want to see how much your ex was like either of your parents, what you do is you take two pieces of paper and you draw a big circle on each one, right? And then you sit down and in one circle, you write all the adjectives that remind you of your mother and father, right? So, you know, narcissistic, over the top, self-absorbed, whatever, you know, and you put all of those qualities, kind, giving, whatever. And then you go to that separate egg on that other piece of paper and you write down all the qualities and characteristics you can remember about your ex. Then you take those two pieces of paper and you put them side by side and you circle all the things that show up on both sides. And this is really a great exercise. I did this with my father and my ex-husband and it was jaw-dropping when I sat back and saw how many qualities my dad, my ex-husband had that were exactly like my father. So if you really want to blow your own mind, give this a go because it's very eye-opening. I didn't realize until I did that exercise the extent to which my ex-husband was like my dad. And I remember when we first met, I was enamored. He blew me away. He was not a handsome guy at all, but he was incredibly charismatic. And I think that combination was really attractive to me because especially back then, I wasn't very attractive. Like I just wasn't. (laughs) Take my word for it. I was not attractive. (laughs) And I think I felt comfortable with him because he wasn't good looking, but he was incredibly charismatic. And everybody loved him. We were in school together. We were at a small private college. I was get, I was there for grad school in uh, photography, as was he. And we just hit it off. And we were like the little golden couple at our school. And it was kind of cute. You know, I didn't have that in high school or college. And here we were kind of the it couple. Uh, and mostly because of his charisma, he was very talented, very, very talented photographer and charismatic and funny And I just fell for him. I fell for him hard. And I didn't realize I was falling for my dad, right? I mean, think about this. I was falling for my father. So 
I, in, in essence, although this was my husband, I was having a romantic relationship with my dad, with a guy who had a lot of the qualities of my father, both some that I really admired about my dad, but many qualities that were not good. And that fireworks relationship and all of the ones that were like that, they weren't founded on anything healthy. They were founded, you know, they were, we were brought together. It felt like we were brought together out of something explosive and wonderful, but we were really brought together because we were wounded and damaged and we needed to heal. And so my ex-husband and I limped along in that relationship together. It was kind of like the blind leading the blind until I finally realized after 13 years that we weren't going anywhere together. We hadn't grown as a couple. And I finally got up the courage to leave him. And when I did, familiarity breeds contempt. One of my uh, listeners wrote, yes, it does, Rhonda. And I know that's the voice of experience. So um, yeah, so I got out of that relationship and I realized that I couldn't keep doing this. Now, don't get me wrong, I did keep doing it. But I started to really pay attention to what was going on with me. And I started to see that fireworks don't work, right? I mean, think about fireworks. What do they do? They go up in the air, you know, they're gorgeous, they explode, and then they disappear. I mean, just think about that metaphor for a second. There were fireworks. Imagine people describe relationships like that. We had fireworks. But what really happens with fireworks is they go out into the air. They're gorgeous, right? They're just magical. And then they flame out. Those little parts come down, you know, and they just fizzle out. And that's really what these relationships do. So it's actually a perfect metaphor for this. A perfect metaphor for why you don't want to have a relationship that starts out with fireworks. So I'm curious, have any of you gotten burned? Did any of you go into relationships like this and get burned? And how many of you, even after you got burned, are still looking for relationships where it starts out with fireworks? So there's a very different way to begin a relationship. Usually anxious avoidant attachments form those firework relationships. And then couples like that, they really love that charge, right? All that juice and whatever, that high octane kind of passion. And so what they do is they fight and argue. They push and pull so that they can sustain that. They can keep that kind of, you know, passion, but it's all drama. It's all drama. It's suffering. It's manufactured. And what they do is they keep doing that so that they can keep that passion alive. In fact, there are people who go into relationships with someone who's more stable, and then they create 
fights purposely so that they can have that kind of passion in the relationship. And they're purposely, consciously or subconsciously, creating arguments and fights so that they can break up and come together. And, you know, they do it purposely because it keeps the juice in the relationship. And I started to realize that this was not the way to go, that this just doesn't work. What happens is we keep walking into these relationships and they blow up. And then there's just pain and suffering and, you know, you're trying to heal each other's wounds, but you're not equipped to do that together. Some people wind up in couples therapy, but that doesn't work. What works as far as I'm concerned, for the most part, is really doing your own work. So I really believe that if you're going to do work, you need to go to therapy yourself. Couples therapy has a very, very, very small success rate. So if you listen to John Gottman, he says that couples therapy only works 3% of the time. Three, one, one, two, three percent of the time. And part of that is because normally when couples do seek therapy, they don't go until six years on average, six years after they realize there was a problem. So it actually, they recognize that there's a problem and then it takes them six years to actually get into therapy. And by then it's too late, right? They've been picking at this at each other and they've been arguing and fighting and trying to resolve this stuff for so long that there's no coming back from it. There's too much damage done and they really have grown apart. One thing to know about couples therapy too is that for a couple that goes to therapy, if you never really loved each other, if there was never really a foundation of friendship and real love and you try to go to therapy to fix the relationship, it's not going to work because um, you can't create something that was never there. Does that make sense? And then both people have to want to make it work. Both people, not one, both. So both people have to truly want to go to couples therapy and really work together or it won't work. If one has already exited the relationship and the other one is really wanting to make it work, you can't do it with just one person. Both people have to work together as a team. So Shanice writes, yes, I was in a relationship where it was kind of a whirlwind romance from the beginning, but all that was there was love, nothing else of substance. And then I was blindsided in the end. That's a great description of what this looks like, Shanice. And I bet that that was really painful. I mean, you said I was blindsided in the end. What's so sad is that we've been sold a bill of goods, right? That this is how relationships should be, that we should just be swept away, that we fall in love. Thank you, Cynthia. <laughs> she said, I described couples therapy perfectly. Yeah, it's really tough. It's a, it's a tough gig because it's very hard to put these relationships back together, especially if nothing was ever there or if one person has already left the relationship. 
But also the other thing is um, there are several different, there are things that happen with couples. Gottman talks about something called the four horsemen of the, the apocalypse and uh, contempt, criticism, um, well, if anybody knows them, you can shout them out. <laughs> Contempt, criticism, I can't remember all four of them right now. But one of the things that happens is defensiveness, and I can't remember the, the fourth one, stonewalling. Thank you, Cynthia. So when those four horsemen of the apocalypse are there, if criticism and contempt turn, or if criticism turns into contempt, right? If, if a person in the relationship starts to become contemptuous, that's hatred. And there's a way that you can hear the hatred in someone's voice. They will be talking down to you. They will be snarky and, you know, you'll ask a question, just a normal question, and they'll give you a really snippy, snarky answer. And there's a meanness to it that's uncalled for. That's contempt. And often in couples, you have criticism and defensiveness and all that have turned to contempt because it's gone on so long. And so once contempt sets in, once one person feels hatred towards another, there's no coming back from that. So this is why couples therapy rarely, rarely works in just a very small percentage of circumstances. Couples coaching actually, believe it or not, has a much better success rate. Um, also because couples therapy will, will uh, yeah, sarcasm is another red flag to notice, Brenda writes. Um, but all of these relationships that, you know, that start off with fireworks, these are some of the results of those relationships. If it's, and rarely, rarely is it love that gets sustained at that level. So the real truth is love is something that grows. It's like a seed that gets planted and watered and fertilized and when you love something, when you have a plant and you take care of it and you water it and you give it sunshine and light and you give it the right temperature, right? It grows and it flourishes under that love and care. And that's like a relationship. A relationship, a first date is like planting a seed. It's two people putting a seed in the ground. And then what they're going to do is they're going to take care of this plant together. They're going to water it. They're going to fertilize it. One person may notice that the ground is dry and go and get some water, right? It may be drooping a little, so the other one puts it out in the sunlight. But it's, that's what a relationship is like. It's two people together loving and caring for this beautiful seed that has been planted between the two of them. Does that make sense? Do you all get that? It's this beautiful seed that gets put into the ground, not something you shoot up into the air, but a beautiful seed that gets planted in the ground. 
And then it is showered with love and light. It's cared for. And what happens is something sprouts up from that, from that caring, from that love, from that concern. Something sprouts from that. This beautiful plant, this little tiny fledgling plant, there it is, right? It's coming out of the ground and it's magical and it's beautiful. And if two people are really paying attention, it's wonderful. It's miraculous, right? To see this beautiful thing sprout from water and earth and love and care. And without that love and care, right? If you don't love and care for that little tiny fledgling plant, it's going to die. It needs all that caring and it needs consciousness, right? You have to pay attention to it. You can't neglect it. You can't forget to water it. You can't forget to put it out in the sun or it will die. And sometimes that little plant comes up and people don't appreciate it. Two people don't see it. They don't recognize it. And it never gets a chance to grow. But that's how relationships really start. They start as a seed that gets planted in the ground. And two people have an opportunity, if they choose to, to water it and grow it and, and keep nourishing that beautiful plant and watching it become bigger and more beautiful and maybe it has flowers, right? Maybe it has a scent or a, you know, it may grow into a beautiful tree, but it's a magical, magical thing, a magical thing. And that's really how relationships happen. That's how a healthy, loving, genuine relationship should be. It should be a seed that gets planted in the ground and watered and nourished. And with each date, you shower a little more love and care and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And both people keep coming back and wow, isn't this beautiful? And look at what we're creating here. Isn't this lovely? And that's really how a real relationship happens, not fireworks and something But as this beautiful plant that the two of you have planted together, as it starts to grow, you both feel amazing. You feel wonderful together, right? This plant or a baby, right? That's what a little, a child is. It's a little seed that becomes a human being that we shower with love and that we get to watch grow. We get to nurture it. In the same way, right? That's what a couple, many couples do. They create babies and children, just like that little plant. But it's something that starts out small and then it grows and it grows and it gets more beautiful with time. So having that kind of relationship, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you create not fireworks or something that's really unconscious, right? Chemistry is not a conscious thing. It's just something that happens. I'm talking about conscious relationship, conscious love. Completely different. How do you create that? What has to happen? (laughs) Thank you, Shanice. I'm kind of describing it now, right? 
So let's talk about how this happens. How do you create a conscious, loving, beautiful relationship with a man that can really last a lifetime? Well, the first thing is you don't rush into anything. Nothing. You're not in a hurry. There's nowhere to get to. You know that rushing into something only gets you fireworks and those don't work. And so you make a decision that you're going to slow down. You're not going to rush into anything with anybody. And if somebody is rush, trying to rush you, that's not good either, right? That's not okay. You're not going to be rushed. And if somebody's trying to rush you, then that's a sign that this isn't the right person. You want somebody that's moving at a similar speed and who also understands, or if you do say, hey, I need to slow this down a little bit. I've rushed into relationships in the past and it doesn't work. And I really want something lasting. I want to find true love, right? And so you have to think about this as a journey, a journey. If you really had it all figured out, you'd already be there. You'd already be there, right? You'd have your guy and you'd be living that life that you've always dreamed of. But the truth is to do this journey right, you also have to admit that there are things you don't know. There are some big gaps in your knowledge about how to choose the right partner, how to even recognize the right guy when he's sitting in front of you. Because if you're not relying on chemistry, you're going to have to be looking for something different this time. And it can't just be, oh, well, I'm going to just go for the opposite of my ex, right? Because <laughs> that doesn't work either. Has anybody ever tried that? Like you're like, okay, I'll just go for a guy who's the total opposite, right? <laughs> that's got to work. Well, that's just another strategy. Just another strategy. That's not a solution either. The work that we all have to do is on ourselves. If you want to attract what I call a guardian of your soul, the work you have to do is getting in touch with your own soul, right? Getting in touch with you. So you have to slow down. You're not in a rush. Nobody's rushing you into anything. You are taking your time. You're looking around. You're going to get to know these men. For the first time, you're not proving yourself to them. You're going to let them show you what they've got. What does this guy have? And you're going to sit back. You'll enjoy their company. Look, men come in all different flavors and shapes and sizes, and they're all wonderful. Even the nerdy ones, even the ones that, you know, are clueless, they're all fascinating. I mean, the male mind, if you really sit with men and you talk to them and you get them to open up to you, oh my God. God, men are fascinating, fascinating. So you go on the dates and you enjoy male company and you love getting to know men and spend time with them. Even if it's a guy where you're like, oh my God, he's clueless. Or if it's a guy who's full of himself. <laughs> Even if he's totally full of himself. I sat at dinner last night with a gentleman, a neighbor, and uh, we went to a party. We're new in Santa Fe. We just moved here. And our neighbor is just fabulous. She is the coolest woman 
and uh, she own, she's in her 80s. She owns a winery, a big winery in Napa Valley. So she knows a lot of very cool people. And we were invited to dinner with her and some of her closest friends. And I sat next to this man and he just spent the whole night telling me his whole life, love story, his whole history with women. And... Um, it was hilarious. I mean, this guy was a character. He is married to an absolutely extraordinary woman, like off the charts, extraordinary, brilliant, beautiful, loving, kind. But what was so crazy was just sitting there listening to this guy. And yeah, I mean, he would admit he had a huge ego. He was totally full of himself and he was extremely avoidant. He had gotten out of a marriage and, you know, he really was afraid. He told me I was scared to death to get married again. I don't even know how his marriage happened. I think um, the woman that he's with, his wife, she somehow was talking to him about another guy who was really excited about her. He got super jealous. He didn't realize that he had these deep, deep feelings for her. But he got, you know, he and she didn't do, I don't know, maybe she did do it intentionally. She's very smart. Um, so maybe she did. But anyway, the, it was quite amazing because uh, it worked and he got very jealous and he wound up marrying her. And he said, Lisa, it took me 20 years to really be a real husband to her. She loved him so much that she just forgave him for all of his character flaws. But it wasn't until his own mother fell in love at 90 years old. And she said to him for the very first time in his life, when she was 90 years old, she told her son she loved him. And that those were the magic words. He said, I never felt my mother's love until that moment. And it opened up something in his heart and he fell in love with his wife, really fell in love with her. Isn't that a beautiful story? Um, luckily for her, I think she just loved him and she forgave his uh, shortcomings. But it took him that long to really open his heart to her. Now he's just like, oh my God, <laughs> he's so in love with her. But it was wonderful. Would I have dated this man? Probably no. You know, or if I had gone on a date with him or two, I would have not felt that his heart was open enough and I wouldn't have done what his wife did. But, you know, that was their love story. But it was fabulous to sit and talk to him. He was such a character, such a character. And I loved our conversation, even if, if, if I had been a single woman. I wouldn't have gone out with him again. So, you know, there's an opportunity to hear to really learn how to get men to open up to you and to enjoy their company. When, when we left, um, he said to Benjamin, you know, she's a really great woman. I see why you love her so much. So it was really sweet, you know, and I barely told, you know, I didn't talk about myself almost at all, but it was lovely. He did ask me about me. So I'll give him that credit. He, he asked me about my work. But the bottom line is you can go on dates and just love the company of men. And some of them will be arrogant and some of them will be um, lack the assertiveness. They'll be nerdy or clueless or whatever. But 
I have to tell you, they're fascinating creatures. And as a woman, if you really want to have a healthy relationship with a man, you have to start to really get into them and enjoy them and get past your fear of whether or not they like you. So, yeah, so you want to learn how to open these men up and enjoy these dates. But you may find that you have to go on quite a few dates once you just start stop acting out and jumping in and using chemistry to connect with a man and you really start trying to build a, a real deep emotionally naked connection with a man, that is the basis of lifelong love. So emotional nakedness, a deep emotional bond with a man is the foundation for lifelong love. That's what you have to learn how to create. And it's fascinating. It's wonderful. It's a real gift. And, and I have to tell you, as a woman, you will never feel more like a woman in your life when you really, not when you put on sexy blouses and beautiful clothes. I mean, I love that stuff, right? I love to dress up. I love to look pretty. I love to be glamorous. That's part of who I am. But there's nothing sexier to a man than a woman who loves men and a woman who really gets men, who's fascinated by them. Who's fascinated? Cynthia said, I agree with your description of men. I've had the good luck in recent years since my divorce of working overseas on construction sites with men at work. It has been Wonderful, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> it really is, right, Cynthia? Like once you get over feeling afraid of them or caring what they think about you or, you know, overthinking this stuff, right? It doesn't matter. Like what matters is how you, how excited you get about them, getting them to open up, seeing, like imagine that every one of them is like a, a, a walnut, right? And you're trying to crack them open. <laughs> we women love to say that men are emotionally unavailable. And look, some men are, some women are, lots of us are emotionally unavailable. But <laughs> my husband just dropped in spontaneously and put an umbrella in my uh, in my office for some unknown reason. Oh, so that I can use it when I have to leave. It we we when I started, it was beautiful and sunny outside, and there is the most outrageous thunderstorm that just came up out of nowhere fireworks. I don't know if you all can hear that thunder. I wish you could. It's really amazing. So that's what we're looking for, right? That thunder, those fireworks, that incredible rainstorm running in the rain and kissing. Yes, Cynthia, men are so sensitive. They are so sensitive. Not the one I was talking to last night. <laughs> He was so shut down and so full of himself in a funny way, in a good way. He was charming and he was very, very real with me. But um, yeah. Oh, Natalie, you have a storm there too. Okay. Well, maybe it's a stormy subject. <laughs> yes. Great question, Sherry. What if they start using you like a therapist? So Sherry, 
You don't want to do that with a guy. I get, that's a great question. You don't want to do that. You don't want to become a guy's therapist. So if it were me, and especially at this stage of the game, right, I would just tell a man to go and see a therapist. I would say you really need to see a therapist. There's stuff going on here. And this is the kind of stuff that a therapist can help you with. That's what I would tell a guy if he started trying to do that with me. I wouldn't put up with it. And I wouldn't put myself in the position of being his therapist. One of the things I learned that is very, very um, um, important to understand with men is that you don't want to do that because... That's putting you in a position above them and you're trying to fix them or tell them what to do, even if they're asking for your help. So it's not a good thing to do. Not a good thing to do. And um, you're looking for a man who, who really has a good sense of himself. I mean, he can ask your opinion. You want a man who values your opinion, right? But not a man who's looking for you to be his therapist. So I would cut that off. Yeah. And Sherry, you don't want anyone dumping their feelings on you, man or woman, right? You don't want anybody doing that. What link are you asking for? (laughs) What link are you wanting? (laughs) Two people asked for a link. So Cheryl, I don't know what link you're looking for, but if you tell me, I will send it to you. So fireworks are not the way to go. You're going to have to learn, all of you, how to really create a relationship from the ground up. If you really want what I call a guardian of your soul relationship, one that is built on a deep, emotionally naked friendship, one where you can walk around, not just physically naked in your relationship, but emotionally naked, that's what I'm talking about. If you really want to be in a relationship where there's no arguing, where there's no struggle, where there's no um, um, fighting, where you're not second guessing yourself, none of those things, right? None of that. You're looking for love for a person who you have a deep, deep, emotionally naked relationship with. That's what you're looking for. And the only way to get there is to start to take your walls down. Nobody can take your walls down for you but you. Nobody. So you have to take your own walls down. You may want somebody, most of us, I know myself included, I used to uh, want a man to come along who would, be so exciting and amazing. And I would feel so um, incredible with this guy that my walls would just come down. They'd just come down. And that's what I thought. I thought the right guy would just, uh, would be so fabulous that I'd just feel safe with him and secure with him. And I would take my walls down. And there wouldn't be, you know, because he was so special. Have any of you done this? Because this is really big. I want you to think about what I'm saying right now. 
So you meet, you know, you're looking for this fabulous unicorn, right? This guy who's so amazing, who wows you. And you sit down and he's so incredible. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. And you feel different, right? With this guy. You feel somehow different with this guy and you open up to him and you share and you tell him things you've never told anyone. You trust him because he seems different. And it's not real. It's not real. There was no substance there. You didn't know each other. It wasn't safe. You just connected with this person And you thought you projected all of these positive things onto this man because that's what you wanted to do. And you opened up to him and then he ghosted you, right? We've all been there. We've all been there. And we thought, okay, he's the one I can open up to. No, this has to come from inside of you. If you do your own work, you don't need to open up. You don't need this person to get you to open up because he's so special and different. You open up because you do it gradually. You see who this person is. You open up a little bit, then you open up a little bit more, but you do that and you measure it out. It doesn't matter how he seems in the beginning, how he shows up, all the wonderful things he says to you, how different he seems from other men that you've met. doesn't matter. You're driving this, you're deciding, you're watching to see how he responds. You're watching to see if he keeps showing up. You're watching to see, you watch the nuances of who this person is. When I was with my husband, when we first met, I studied him. I watched him. I watched how he interacted with other people. I watched how he moved through a room. I watched... Did he follow through on the things he said he'd follow through on? Was he showing up? Was he asking me out again? Or was I working hard to get his attention? So I watched all of these things so that I could be sure that this was the man I wanted to give my heart to. And I wasn't in a hurry. This time I wasn't rushing. This time I was taking my time. And he kept showing up and he kept inviting me on the next date and the next date. And I would put something out there and he would show up. He would do those things. I'd ask for little things along the way, not big things, but little things just to see if he was listening, if he cared. He once said to me, what do you need at my house? Because he lived 45 minutes away from me in Los Angeles And I said, I need a food scale. At the time, I was on a very restricted diet and I was measuring my food, weighing it. And um, a few days later, I came back and he had the best scale, a better scale than I had at home for me. (laughs) So it was so beautiful just to sit back and marvel. And that's where that tree grew that I was talking about. Each time he would do something wonderful for me, it's like there were more leaves and more blossoms on that plant, right? And that was the, I saw a relationship for the first time in my life 
actually growing and flourishing and blossoming and getting more and more beautiful over time. My husband and I don't argue. We don't fight. We don't, um, yeah, we play together. We're safe. If something comes up, we talk about it. We, we look at it. We move on. We don't want to be dealing with baggage. We don't want to be dealing with issues and fighting about things. So we bring them up quickly. We address them as adults. We both look at our part and then it's done. Barry said a strong sense of self and self-confidence to be in the moment, observing rather than trying to impress. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. (laughs) Way harder than it sounds. So that's what we have. That's what you have me for. (laughs) Barry, there's something so beautiful about falling in love with yourself. There's something so extraordinary about the experience of genuine self-love. Not the kind of, oh, I love myself. Like it's, we're, we're trying to talk ourselves into it, but really to see a person who really truly loves herself. She knows who she is and she just is so at ease and so comfortable with who she is, right? Without apology or shame, you're not trying to sell yourself to anybody. And I think it's important if we're going to learn how to do that, to start to give ourselves permission to fall in love with ourselves. We reject ourselves so much. I know I did when I was younger. I constantly rejected myself. And now I just accept myself, the good, the bad, you know, all of it. Cynthia said, absolutely, I'm convinced that we can only love another to the extent that we can truly that we can love ourselves truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cynthia, it's one thing to, to know that intellectually, and it's another thing to actually have a living experience of that. Like the more I fall in love with me, the more I love my husband and vice versa, right? It goes both ways and it's extraordinary. It's really extraordinary to be just that loved, right? To be in that place where we're so, we're loving and we're loved and we love ourselves and there's just no separation with any of that. It's, it's amazing. When I was younger, I was so hard on myself. I beat myself up. You know, I beat myself to a pulp emotionally. I was just pummeling myself and there was no joy in me right? And I can imagine why I didn't have this kind of relationship because I was not in joy. You know, I wasn't enjoying myself for my life or my experience of my life. Now I just love my life. (laughs) I love it. We learned. So Donna said, I'm with my man for eight months and we started with fireworks and I feel like we still have them. So Donna, that can go on for, usually there's a um, there is a word and it's called limerence. And often limerence will last um, anywhere up to two years in a relationship and sometimes longer. But limerence is a state that lasts about up to two years and it's driven by hormones. There's actually a hormonal component 
to it. And it usually starts to subside after that. So I don't know the circumstances of how you and your guy met. I don't know, you know, if you've both been in therapy or doing personal growth work. I don't know. Yeah, Annette said her fireworks lasted three years. They can last a while. It also depends on, you know, are you running around and traveling and doing a lot of, you know, stuff where you're not, you know, not things where you're being present in your life, but where you're acting out, you're using alcohol, drugs. I'm not saying that you are, but many people do. And that also will fuel this for a while. It can keep it going. Cynthia said, we learn so much about ourselves through relationship and thus can fall more in love with ourselves as we know ourselves better. Yes, it's so true, Cynthia. And I'll add to that as well that um, I am so proud of who I am in my relationship. That's another thing. The way I love my husband, the way I see who he is, the way I know he feels with me and how I make him feel. Um, I'm so proud of the way I do that for him. It makes me feel so good about who I am as a woman that I know that I turn him on and I bring him so much joy that it's, it, it makes me feel better about me. So, um, Cheryl, what happens after that stage is that things start to subside, you know, all those hormones that drive that connection go away and then the the passion goes away. Two people just don't even feel like they really know each other. You know, it's the, the it's not being driven by that, you know, the hormones. So a lot of times it fades because you can't sustain that. You cannot sustain it. You just can't. It goes away. What really lasts is something that's built from the ground up. And I have seen this over and over again. I mean, two people can be in love like teenagers, but, you know, you got to sustain it. You got to sustain that love. And it's very hard to keep those skyrockets. Wow. I just looked at the clock and it's, time to say goodbye. So thank you to everybody. There were some wonderful people on here tonight. Cynthia, I so appreciate all your comments. Shanice, um, Annette, you've been wonderful. Yes, resentment set in after three years and it took years to end and wasted so many years. Yeah. I hear you, Annette. I felt fireworks with my first husband and I stayed in for so long, even after it was dead, you know, even after, after that relationship had died, I stayed because I really, 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 uh, didn't want to be alone. And I also didn't think I'd ever find whatever we had again. So, um, you are welcome, Kala. And please, you know, put, uh, give me a thumbs up or a heart or whatever. I love to see that. That feeds my ego and it lets me know that you all enjoyed this. Cindy, it was great to see you. Thank you, everybody. Please know that I do three different Facebook Lives. So I do this one. 
I do a, uh, a Facebook live called lunch with Lisa. And that is on, um, that is on Mondays and it is Monday at noon mountain time. So there is that one. Um, that is lunch with Lisa. And then I do one called getting inside the right male mind. And that one is on Sunday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And that is with my husband, Benjamin Shields. So I love the Sunday Live. It is really my favorite thing that I do. I love it because you will all get to hear me talking with Benjamin for an entire, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. And my husband really is just such a beautiful, beautiful man. There are few men that I've ever known like him. And um, yeah, he's just a treasure. So Benjamin and I get to share our love and our uh, wisdom with, with all of you. So please come join us on Sunday. And I'm so glad it sounds like you all enjoyed tonight's talk. So I will keep doing these. This is a good sign. All right, everybody. Love to you all. Be safe in these incredible storms right now. Please, please, please be safe. I know uh, one of the tropical storms was downgraded. I think the one that hit Florida. So please take care of yourselves. Be safe and come back and see me again and tell your friends, please. All right, everybody. Love to you all. Uh, take it slow. Don't rush into anything. Fireworks are wonderful, but I can tell you that my approach is the one that is really going to work 100% of the time. All right. Good night, everybody. I'll see you next time.